Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Happy 2020 to you all. Audrey Salveson, Eric Franson here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Great to be back with you all and hope you had a very safe and happy new year and a very good holiday season. But it's back to the grind. The kids go back to school, and we go back to work. How was your one-day break, Eric? Um, you know, it was very busy, actually. wasn't wasn't lounging around. wasn't like kicking up the feet, anything like that. Uh, lots of honeydews because you know all the Christmas stuff needs to be put away. And since that's being put away, well, let's clean out the storage unit while we're uh, or the storage room while we're oh, at. Oh yeah, it. it just adds up the list, right? <laughs> it's like well, since before we're I know this, it, I turn around, this. it's like six o'clock. I'm like, where did the day go? Yeah, and then you realize you got to come back and do a show the next day. And uh-huh. it's all right, we, we got work done. It was good. Well, we have a lot of work to do today, and a big show for you all. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to text in and. Be a part of the show again. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. You can text into the show with your thoughts, um, and you'll have a chance to share plenty of them here as we get uh, going into the show. Uh, your thoughts, your concerns, questions about topics, whatever you want, whatever's on your mind, go ahead and text us in. Your message and data rates will apply as is through contract service with whoever you are with. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Eric Franson, I'm Audrey Salveson. Uh, Adam, is it, hey, by the way, our intern, is it Adam? I keep forgetting yes. his name. Hasn't changed it since the last time he was here, so I'm assuming it's still Adam. Adam Lurcher. I, 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 I know, and I swear to laugh, I keep forgetting his name. He's our intern, though, but he's here today. He's he needs be, one of those tags. Hello, my name is. Yeah. It, that would, see, Eric, that would be helpful if, if we're going to have interns just say here. Like, I'm they the need to know, we need to know who they are. So I don't have to come on the air. Hey, Adrian's here. Who's Adrian? You'll hear from Adam here and later in the show is our we'll get ready for our pick six in which Eric, by the way, is ten percent interest due. Oh, last that's week. right, I owe you. Yeah, I'm gonna claim the holidays yeah. throwing me off. The holidays, you know, there's some uh, Eric, you didn't old even candies do up front that have been that were dropped off, like yeah, and then dropped on the floor three, four weeks ago. Can I use that? Sure. Well, you know, why not? Since. Uh, <laughs> Since it's been a lazy week for you, why don't you do a lazy job of getting me a gift for pick six? Though, by the way, those socks have come in handy. They look good on my wall. So thank you. Is that where you, like, when you took them off, you just threw them against the wall? No, and what like I did. stuck there? I nailed, you wore them for so long? I nailed them to my wall. Why would you nail socks to your wall? For my part of my wall of fame. Oh, because this was a gift from Eric. I'm going to put it on my wall... To remember his generosity. I also framed the pick six that I won. <laughs> that, that one time? Yeah, that's right. That's right. 435-339-0321 if you want to text into our show. A lot to get to today. Utah State is ran out of the strip of Las Vegas by the Running Rebels. 70-53 to in a game that was even, wasn't even really that close. Uh, where Aggies offense just didn't look like they showed up at all. Kind of a hung- hangover night for the Mount West Conference because... Two of the top three teams in the Mountain West lose to teams, two teams that have losing records. 
Uh, UNLV uh, comes out of there with a big win. San Jose State, the other one, getting a big win over New Mexico. Aggies get ready for the Aztecs on Saturday night, 8 o'clock. That game, their tickets are extremely limited. So if you're thinking about going to the game, you need to quit thinking and hurry and get yourself to the ticket office ASAP. Right, better jump on it. Yeah. Uh, Aztecs 14-0 and on the season. They are 15th in the country right now. They are saucy on offense. They are gritty on defense. This team is going to be an absolute headache for the Aggies. And if the Aggies do anything of the repeat performance against UNLV on Saturday night, they're going to get run out of their own gym by the end of the first half because the Aztecs are one quality basketball team right now, Eric. I don't think Craig Smith with Utah State has won, has lost back-to-back games. That is correct. So I, I think his team does a good job, and his coaching staff does a good job of giving everybody everybody um, dialed in and focused and turned around like they need to. So, but how much of what happened last night? We'll get into more of this next hour. But yeah. how much of what happened last night do you think was? The, the players maybe looking past UNLV to that big game coming up on Saturday. I'd say out of, I mean, let's go on a, on a percentage scale, let's say 80%. Look, I asked Coach Smith on Monday, hey, are, are you worried about with the holiday being here, you guys being in Vegas, but then not only that, but San Diego State coming to your house on January 4th. I mean, how are you guys able to focus on UNLV and how is that going? He said, look, we had an average practice yesterday. We had a good practice today. And so, like, there was concern, you know, like they and, – and you've always heard the cliche, right? You you play how you practice, and they didn't practice that great, and they paid for it dearly against UNLV, who came in looking like a desperate basketball team. Look, out of the 7,000 fans that were there at the Rebel Stadium at the Thomas and Mack Center that night, I'd say maybe less than 1% thought they were even going to be in that game by the second half. All of a sudden, they're up by 20. And that place was electric. It was loud. It was It was – uh, active, the crowd had something to be, be into, and again, Utah State's offense just never got going, and it turned into a, a disaster really quickly. And when you give the Rebels that much confidence, they're going to run with it at home. Uh, just, I mean, it was an it was a New Year's alarm, really. What what is what it was for Utah State? They were awakened. Uh, whether they can respond to that against a akin, um, as good as Nevada was last year, this San Diego State team I think could beat that Nevada team last year. That's how good the Aztecs are. This team is really, really good and really sound offensively. They're fundamentally, they don't beat themselves. Uh, and I know San, so San Jose State took them to the wire, um, but I, I, they, did, they, they continue to find ways to win, kind of like the Aggies of last year. But the sad part, and, we'll, and like you said, we'll get into it more, but the sad part is, is I think last year's basketball team of the Aggies would throttle this year's basketball team right now as, as it is. I think they would throttle them by 20. Well, last year's Aggie team would have had Namiya Keta as a starter. Okay, fine. Put Namiya in there right now, and they still beat him by 20. I'll take Quinn Taylor over Trevin Dorius. Okay, I'm trying to think. What's the, what's the real big difference between this year's team and last year's team? Alfonso Anderson versus Quinn Taylor. Is that the difference? I'll say Quinn Taylor versus Trevin Dorius. Quinn Taylor versus Cuba, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, and, and Quinn, uh, experienced. Uh, he was older. Uh, he was a senior. He could take it outside and shoot the three every now and then. But, look, this. somebody said it um, 
last night on social media, and I think it is absolutely correct. Sam Merrill is the best Aggie basketball player, but Namish Keta means the most to the team. He's the most important player. Right, yeah. he's the most important player for the whole team. I think that is exactly correct. Um, Sam does a lot of great things, and it's not a knock against Sam, but the intangibles of Namish and what he does when the ball's not in his hands, uh, I think it affects everybody else around him. So this team really needs to have him back. They need Sam Merrill to be healthy. He's just not healthy. I mean, even after that many days off, you could just see him still kind of lumbering around a little bit. Um, but and and I just I just don't know what's going on. You just saw some really bad turnovers last night. Panicked offense at times, lazy defense. Uh, they were and and coach used the word in his post game undisciplined. They were undisciplined last night. Yeah, defensively and offensively, really. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's the right term. Uh, just they were a little bit lazy in some of the passes uh, and the way they were executing. Um, sometimes on how they were hustling back on defense or not, um, and so it, they were just a little flat footed. They just weren't dialed in like they needed to be. We'll get into Utah State. Asked uh, Utah State who they play. Running Rebels. Talk later in the second hour. Uh, don't worry about the Aztecs. We'll get into that all tomorrow. Plenty to break down. We're hopefully you have Ted Leitner on to uh, join us to talk about that game tomorrow night. Uh, or assuming on Saturday night, Ted's a play-by-play voice for the San Diego State Aztecs. Is a big fan of our show, as he's told me, and uh, is a uh, is uh, does an incredible job. And so we'll be excited to have him on tomorrow. You think he was just being nice? Uh. <laughs> No, because I, I, I find him – look, there's some guys where I'm like, yeah, you're full of crap. <laughs> I actually find him to be a sincere, real good dude, which is uh, which is really good. Which isn't always the case, especially in sports media. Uh, there, there's a lot of prima donnas out there. <laughs> uh, let, let's get into this. Uh, first thing first, um, last night or uh, yesterday – what's it, yesterday the news came out? David Stern, the former commissioner of the NBA, had uh, had passed away. Um, the and 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 some, well, excuse me, many call him the greatest commissioner in sports history, based on everything he was able to do. Here is Jeremy Shap on the biography of David Stern, his impact on the NBA, but also the other side of David Stern that not a lot of people knew about. In his 30 years as commissioner, David Stern made it possible for the NBA to scramble from the brink of bankruptcy and irrelevance to a position of global significance unthinkable in the dark days of the late 1970s and early 1980s, when the league was beset by drug problems, teams were going bankrupt, and the finals were on tape delay. That stunning reversal of fortune is why Stern will be remembered as perhaps the greatest leader of any sports league ever. Of course, the league's rebirth can't be attributed solely to Stern's savvy and toughness. It wasn't Stern, after all, who fashioned from clay the transcendent Larry Bird-Magic Johnson rivalry. It wasn't Stern who imbued Michael Jordan with his gifts, either. But make no mistake there might be no other sports executive ever who so adeptly utilized the tools at his disposal. No other commissioner who so clearly recognized and exploited the resources of his sport. With Stern in charge, the NBA called itself fantastic. 
but it was really a star factory. The league marketed its stars to the hilt, and no league ever better mastered the art of marketing than David Stern's NBA. At its inception, years before the advent of the internet, not to mention Twitter or Instagram, the slam dunk contest was a phenomenon, a must-see event created by Stern's lieutenant Rick Welts. People too young to have seen Jordan versus Dominique in the heyday of the competition can hardly fathom how big a deal it was. Then, in 1992, there was the Dream Team, the ultimate expression of Stern's strategic thinking, of his desire to make the league a global brand. With Jordan and Magic and Barkley all in Olympic uniforms, the world was suddenly safe for Stern's unique brand of basketball diplomacy and capitalism, with the entire planet turned into a marketplace for NBA TV rights, and eventually, LeBron James jerseys. Ten years after the first Dream Team won gold in Barcelona, Yao Ming was the top overall pick in the draft. This was not coincidence. In its own way, Yao's arrival was a milestone on the same order of magnitude as the Magic Bird rivalry and the rise of Michael Jordan. There is a good reason why David Stern had a seat on the Council on Foreign Relations. In terms of his management style, Stern was not a man to be trifled with. He could be intimidating, demanding, imperious. In fact, all of the above. Why was the Lakers for Chris Paul trade not an acceptable deal for you? Well, your question indicates that you uh, don't understand the capacity in which I was acting. But he could also be charming and refreshingly blunt and honest, even on the subject of the owners for whom he worked. For example, when the New York Knicks lost a court battle about sexual harassment in their front office. It demonstrates that they're not a model of uh, intelligent management. Of course, under Stern, who reigned for so long, there were many challenges and controversies. Even as total revenue and player salaries skyrocketed, there were too many lockouts. There was the infamous Pacers-Pistons brawl in Detroit, which exposed a yawning disconnect in the relationship between players and fans. Tim Donaghy, a veteran NBA referee, went to prison on gambling-related charges. But in the end, David Stern will be remembered for all the ways in which he elevated the NBA, enriched his owners and the players, popularized the game in places where it had been an afterthought. When he took over, none of that was guaranteed. Back then, it would have seemed at best unlikely that the NBA would become a global behemoth. It is perhaps the ultimate testament to Stern's vision that now it all seems to have been inevitable. That's a hell of a job by Jeremy Schapp, if you ask me. That's some good stuff right there. David Stern was the commissioner, became commissioner of the NBA in 1984. It's the same year that Jordan entered the league. He stepped down in 2014, just after LeBron James won his second NBA title. Uh, he suffered a brain hemorrhage about three weeks ago. He passes away, David Stern, former NBA commissioner, at the age of 77. You know, when I look at the uh, when I look at the the era of David Stern in the NBA, I can't think of the ups and downs, but more ups. He, what, what Jeremy Shep said that you know that you had the drug problems in the 1970s, whatever, and finally he was able to bring that league to prominence through bankruptcy, and it helped to have guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan come through during those times. And then you of course had 
1992 Dream Team. Just after, Jimmy, just, yeah, just after the, uh, the USA sent college kids to go play pros from all around the world and came up short. And then he said, you know what? Enough of this. We're not going to be sitting here and get bullied by you guys. We're going to send the you best. You send your best. We're going to send, We're gonna our, send best. our best. And he did. Yep. He sent David Robinson, Michael Jordan. I mean, think about that. They got Michael Jordan, who the first day, they were the first to ask him. And he said, well, it depends who you get. So then they went and got Bird. They got Magic. They got Drexler. They turned back to Jordan. He says, okay, I'm in. Now, of course, there's that theory and the conspiracy of, well, was Isaiah Thomas going to be locked out by Jordan? Was it not? There's a whole other story to it in itself. But the fact that the 90, 1992 Dream Team, I think that's what really elevated David Stern to becoming the great commissioner that he was. But then there's also the downfall, too. The The lockouts in 2011, I believe, was one of the big lockouts where they lost the lost games. Uh, well, there, there were two lockouts that lost games in 1988. 88 or 98. 98. And that was this, the year... The Jazz had been to the, the finals two years in a row. Yeah. Stockton and Malone were coming back. You knew Jordan was retiring. Everybody thought, okay, this is going to be the Finally. Jazz opportunity here. The path is clear. Jazz should be able to get this done. Then they have the lockout, and then they have to try to cram a lot of games in in a short amount of time. And Stockton and Malone, a little bit older, and Hornacek, and it started to wear down on them, and they just weren't as healthy when the playoffs came around, and then this young, upstart San Antonio team took advantage of it. With the number one pick in the draft, thank you very much. Tim Duncan, how do you do? There are actually four lockouts that occurred under David But only Stern. two of them lost games, is that right? Right. There, there were lockouts in 1995 and in 1996. No games were lost uh, in that in those seasons. But then there was the 98 lockout. So that's, that's a lot of lockouts and labor disputes just in a short amount of time. And then there was another one in 2011, which shortened this, the, the league uh, season to only 66 games. And then also with that, you had the gambling issues. Well, what they thought was a gambling problem within referees. Of course, Tim Donahue, he was one yeah. of those problems, uh, ends up going to prison for it. Um, and then, but, and then on the other side of it again, you see the the global market. Like Yao Ming, like he took like he saw Yao Ming, and it wasn't just. And I love what Jeremy Sapp said. It wasn't a coincidence that all of a sudden Yao Ming was the number one. You know, was he the number one pick in the draft? Right, mm-hmm. right for the Houston and for Rockets. the Houston Rockets. And then all of a sudden, like it just becomes this international global phenomenon. Well, it was already getting there. I mean, the Dream Team really helped with that a lot. Sure, and uh, all of a sudden. These stars that were starting to emerge, that other countries are starting to be aware of. Dirk Nowitzki was one of those international and Olympic players. Everybody internationally watches the Olympics, and oh my gosh, they're playing against our guys, our team. Look how good they really are. So that elevated NBA internationally. Dirk Nowitzki was a big international star that uh, I think helped with a lot of things, and then more European players started to come in. But you're right, bringing in Yao Ming. Took it to a whole new level. Oh my where gosh! All of a sudden, there's this China. marketplace yeah. of one billion. That's the people. crazy part is that they all of a sudden had China broadcast Chinese broadcasters broadcasting the games of NBA, and David Stern knew what he was doing when he allowed that to happen because then China is watching these games, thinking, "Oh my gosh! Now you're gonna watch you're gonna watch Kill Neil versus Yao Ming. You're gonna watch 
Tim Duncan versus Yao Ming. Like, they knew exactly what they were doing the whole time. Yeah, and, and it was smart. You'd watch a Houston Rockets game, and you'd see a lot of advertising on the court that you, unless you knew Mandarin Chinese, yeah, exactly. you, weren't under, you didn't know what that was. Smart and that continued on done. for many years, even after Yao Ming retired from the game, until just this last year when the Rockets had their little dust-up over Hong Kong. But, uh, uh, but it, yeah, it, it did introduce uh, a huge international market that uh, continues to grow with games being played, exhibition games being played overseas. And I think you're going to see continue to see more of that, but that really did happen under David Stern's watch. And also under Stern, the NBA played nearly 150 international games and was televised in more than 200 countries and territories in more than 40 languages. And the NBA Finals and All-Star Weekend grew into an international spectacle. We all knew about that. The NBA uh, 2010 All-Star Game drew more than 108,000 fans to the Dallas Cowboys AT&T Stadium, which is a record to watch a basketball game. Like, the guy just knew how to play the hand, right? Now, again, let's go back to the dark side of things. The veto trade of Chris Paul going to the Lakers. Um, he felt like it was an unfair trade. Uh, and he defended the decision over for a long, long, long time. And then, I think it was in, was it last year? He talked about how it was to protect the league. And he just felt like there was an unfair advantage in doing that. And the Lakers still have this bitterness over it. As much as they were given like just so much room and space and freedom during those 01 and 02 Western Conference Finals where they got every call in the book to beat the Portland Trailblazers, to beat the Sacramento Kings, which is the best team to ever not make the NBA Finals. The Lakers were still bitter about Paul not able to go play for the Lakers and instead... Went to the Clippers just across the street. And then you also have the, uh, what was it, the Magic Johnson HIV thing, right? When he allowed Magic Johnson, who had announced that he was HIV positive, and allowed him to go play in the 1992, not only on the Dream Team, but then also got to go play in the uh, All-Star game as well. It was an MVP. Right, well, yeah, there was an it was an interesting time where not a lot of people really understood HIV. Yep. It was a it was a scary word. I mean, it's still very serious uh, The potential disease with with AIDS and there wasn't a lot that was understood at the time it was becoming more and more people were aware of it um, and it was becoming this thing that people were, were hearing more about but even Carl Malone uh, people asked him and would you feel comfortable playing against oh, yeah, Magic Johnson yeah, dude, he was and he was it. like I love Magic Johnson but I'm I'd be I'm nervous because you don't you're I mean, there's there's sweat, there's spit, there could be blood. Uh, you, you scratch a guy, and uh, you all of a sudden you contract the, the the same disease. So there was a lot of fear at the time about what that would mean to other guys in the league. And it wasn't anything against Magic Johnson as a person. They just there was a lot that wasn't quite really known about the disease at the time. Just that it was if you got it, it was a death sentence. I mean, it's a very different story now. Magic Johnson has been very healthy and is really at the time beat the odds but um yeah th- there was a time where david stern said look we still recognize the value of magic johnson he's still um pretty significant dynamic personality that people recognize with with the nba we still have to use this guy somehow and was able to work some of those things out to still have him involved by the way side tangent i feel like carmelo got a really bad rap for that because he didn't come out and say, yeah, I'm never going to play with Magic. I can't stand the guy. He's gross. This is... He actually gave respect to Magic 
gave condolences to Magic about what he was going through, and then politely said, I'd rather not. It wasn't like he came out and just blasted Magic underneath a bus. Give me a break. Like, that has been the most, I guess, oversold thing about Carmelo. Because I think, I mean, he got such a bad rap for it. And it was just horribly told on every angle from national media perspective. Yeah. Well, like... Uh, Sorry, that just that always bothered me, though. Yeah, well, like Magic Johnson said, has said this the within the last 24 hours in his comments about David Stern that he has shared on social media platforms. He says that um, you know, people thought that they might get the virus just for shaking his hand. Because <laughs> that, that, it was just not really understood exactly what it was, how you got it, how it could be passed. Um, and that was very... Very much the case in among other athletes in the NBA it was not a, a negative thing against Magic Johnson. It was just there was uncertainty about what that disease was and how they could get it. Again, but he was uh, very outspoken. Oh yeah, uh, you know, the, there's a, a lot of people that have strong opinions about him about how he decided to to handle discipline for certain players. And Rasheed Wallace was. Uh, always <laughs> on his uh, short list of players. The malice at the palace right. um, was really an interesting one. That's true. Ron Artest. Um, but the, the thing that stands out to me, uh, when the NBA was, as it was starting to grow and be more in people's mindsets, um, he was able to ne- negotiate the, and uh, utilize the star power of the league and the TV revenue went from $10 million a year to about $900 million a year. <laughs> Just an incredible jump. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> Hey, did you ever – I heard this as I was reading some stories yesterday. Did you ever get the feeling that he had beef with Kobe Bryant? Because Michael Jordan was his, like, prodigal son, golden child for years, right? And Davis Oh, he was Stern, his meal ticket. Yeah, I mean – And he knew it. But then Kobe Bryant came in and kind of was just trying to steal the thunder and take over the game and the league, and, and David Stern wasn't really into that. Well, one thing that is a criticism of Stern is that he had his favorites. He picked his Absolutely. favorites, and and he really promoted them and highlighted them. And the NBA is still a bit problematic that way. I think that's probably why ratings are a little bit down this year, um, because there's been this consolidation of power in just a few places, and it's not great stars in many different places that the league tries to promote. Um, and, and so, but that being said, it was marketing and it was about getting eyeballs on televisions. And uh, he knew that, look, this is a dynamic player. It's an exciting player. And uh, we're going to highlight this player or these couple of players and we're going to promote the heck out of them. And we'll, we'll make them into stars we have to because then people will tune in and, and watch more of our games. Yeah, it's he and I. I think look as there there was a good side, but I still think there was a business side, which was a dark side of David Stern, and that was one of those things where he forced products down your throat, even if you didn't want it. I mean, the like Kobe Bryant was really forced down. I think at some point. Excuse me. When they realized how good this Lakers team was, that and, and I still think this. I think that some of the finals and some of the and some of the playoffs were rigged because of David Stern. I still strongly believe that that they realized they were going to lose ratings. Look, when the Spurs and Knicks played each other in the I think it was the '99 finals, it was one of the lowest rated ever. 
when the Nets and Lakers played, it was the second lowest rated finals. Nobody wanted to see it. And then David realized they were losing money, so he regrouped and put together mat or excuse me, finals and, and matchups that was going to be attractive to the audience. Now, granted, it worked, um, but I, I think that's one of the dark sides of David Stern. But again, I cannot really, when you think about uh, Rob Manfred, when you think about uh, Bud Selig, R- uh, Roger Goodell, they don't hold a candle to David Stern. Well, I mean, they did, they've done, those other commissioners did good things in their own way for their leagues. But you look at where it was, the NBA, where it was when David Stern first came in and where it was when he left. It's hard to see anybody else that has that had changed so dramatically their league, not just in how it was perceived domestically, but how it grew internationally. I mean, the NFL has had tremendous success with huge ratings, big stadiums, uh, just plants that are just printing money all over the, the this country, but it really hasn't grown much internationally. They've done some more things a little bit more lately over the last few years and playing some regular season games in London, and they've tried to do one game a year in Mexico City, but that's that's almost more a function of just the sport itself. But the But the NFL hasn't done a heck of a whole lot to grow the sport of football much beyond the American borders. David Stern was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2014. He was a commissioner for 30 years from 1984 to 2014. He has uh, passed away at the age of 70. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Alvey Salas, the Full Court Press, 434, your time here on the January 2nd of the opening of 2020. Grateful to have you along joining us here on the ride on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Don't forget, you also can find us on a stream on 106.9thefan.com. you miss any of our shows, past over uh, even today's show, you can find it on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, we can also have our bonus content on there, interviews, post-game stuff, and whatever else uh, we have. Press conferences. Press conferences. It's all there for you guys. Uh, again, you can find it on the Full Court Press. Just type in Eric's name, my name, or the Full Court Press, and you'll be able to find all that content that we put out there for you. Uh, Eric, Utah Jazz, we go into this one. ESPN does their power rankings. They moved up from 12th to 11th. Uh, they had that big win against the Clippers, right? Uh, they're what one? They're seven and one, and Mike Conley isn't playing right now. In so much that people are actually asking, is this team better without Mike Conley? Uh, but I'll tell you what's been the biggest surprise so far, and that's Jordan Clarkson for me. He's been absolutely phenomenal. It's taken you a while to come around to that, AJ. I know. You were it, very critical of him. It earlier. took it, it took back to back good basketball games from him. That it, it did. It took me a long time. It took him two games to play consistently good for me to actually say yes. It's going to be okay. <laughs> a whole two games. Well, I mean, it really, is like everyone's like, well, you know, can you do this or what? I mean, look, he was taking shots that you're like, dude, what are you shooting? Why are you shooting that? That's not a good shot. But then when you have a bench that comes onto the floor and it's a bench that's really good at giving up big leads. And Jordan Clark's ever to, you know, kind of put a bandaid on the bleed. And then not only that, but then extend the lead a little bit. So when your starters come on, they're not 
coming back to from a, a 13 point lead to a five point deficit, but they're actually looking at a, a 12 point lead instead. It helps. And I thought, I thought Clarkson's been good the last two games. Uh, he had 19 on the 28th versus the Clippers, and then he had 20 against Detroit in 27 minutes where he shot 53% from the field, 57% from deep. I think that he has been exactly what the bench has needed for, for the Utah Jazz. That there's someone who can come in and have an offensive game, who can create, who can shoot from beyond the arc, who can get his own shot if necessary. Now, the question for me isn't, has this been a good move yet or not? The question for me is, when Mike Connolly comes back, when bench rotations um, change with that, and when he's been in the system for a month or two, and they've been running practices where they're not really anymore adapting to him, he now needs to learn the jazz system. Will that continue? Because right now, the jazz are basically saying, giving him a green light. We're going to adapt to you. So when you're in the game, we're adapting how we do things for you. And giving him some license to do what he feels that he can do until he understands what's happening around him at, a, at another level. So the question for me is, not so much was the Jordan Clarkson trade a good idea, but how long until he starts being more of a facilitator, sharing the ball, playing defense? Um, or or it, will that be asked of him? Because if, uh, if, if no one else on that uh, bench is going to be able to produce much, maybe this is just how it's going to be. And... You know, that's probably going to be okay. Utah Jazz Chicago Bulls tonight about 6 o'clock. We'll cut into about 20 minutes of our showtime. Uh, Jazz looking to continue their uh, their nice little win streak here against really bad basketball teams. My question to you, though, right now at this very point in time, and this is an honest, and this is your question, Eric, is the Jazz better without Conley? Uh, I saw something earlier today that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, his numbers have they were better with Connolly than than he's been without Connolly. Um, I, I think that there's two things at play here. The uh, having Joe Ingles in the starting lineup has really sparked his game. He's now shooting like some crazy 56 percent from beyond the arc right now. Um, but I think he's he has his game has improved with being in the starting lineup. Uh, he's more of a facilitator. He's finding his shot a little bit more. I think that uh, Mike Connolly in the game does help the Jazz. I think having him available is better than having him not available. It's it's kind of fool's gold right now that the Jazz look like they don't need him, but they're playing against a lot of bad or mediocre teams, the L.A. Clippers notwithstanding. Um, so I, I think that the Jazz have the potential to be a better team with Mike Connolly. I just don't think that it's really sustainable long-term if you run through a bunch of, of really good teams not having him in the mix. But how long he'll be out, that's... Yeah, that's another problem. Is how long is he going to be out? Are we looking at a Dante Exum situation where he's out for like three weeks, comes back, you know, then can't go. She's so out for another three weeks. I mean, we are spending a lot of money on a guy that you're hoping, and by the way, they have to pay him a bonus of $34.6 million if he plays over 54 games a season. For Mike Connolly? Yeah. 
There's a there there is a he might not hit that. I, do you, and that's the that's the crazy part is that we're almost to the halfway point. We're about a month off from being to the halfway point. Well, just a little over a month off from being to the halfway point of the NBA basketball season. But there's a bonus in the contract that was, uh, I guess, uh, what would you say, rolled over to the Jazz to when he now plays for the Jazz, that if he was to play 54 games this year, it's a 34.5 or $34.6 million bonus in his contract. Now you're looking at 66.7 million for him playing basketball for us. But for a guy who hasn't been healthy for uh, a big chunk of the season, really, to be honest with you. Nonetheless, Utah Jazz right now. Can yeah, but honestly, Ajay, they didn't, he didn't have an injury history before he joined the Jazz. It's not like this was a guy that so then what's going they were, on they were taking a big risk. Would he be able to play or not? It, it just Sometimes freak injuries happen. I mean, look what Gordon Hayward's had to deal with the last couple of years. Um, the, the Boston Celtics wouldn't have made that deal if they knew they'd only get him for half of a game that season. So just sometimes injuries happen. Uh, so it's not that something you can plan for. There's some guys you know they're injury prone. The Cavaliers, they know they're getting something risky out of Dante Exum. They don't know how long they're going to get out of him because he hasn't proven that he can really play a full season because he's injury prone. It's not the same thing with Mike Connolly. And I think that he's a better facilitator. He's a point guard that gets other guys involved. He takes some of the pressure off of Donovan Mitchell and uh, and helps set up uh, Boyan and, and Joe a little bit better. You so I think they're better with uh, with uh, Mike Connolly. It may, he still hasn't quite, I think, hit that level that we all expected and hoped having him with the Jazz. But he's, I think he'll get there. I think he'll get there. Utah Jazz have won seven out of, or excuse me, eight of the last nine right now. And by the way, with that streak, Eric, they're still stuck at six in the West Conference, but only two games behind Denver for the two seed. Yeah, they're making games. We're back to that again. <laughs> they're making gains. They're winning the games like they should. They're not losing ground. Um, this, this, they still have what another seven or eight games where they're going to be playing against some pretty seven mediocre teams. Yep. To still make a get some good ground and, and to try to create some cushion. Not only try to catch the teams ahead of them, but get some separation between the guys that are behind them. Utah Jazz Chicago Bulls tonight at the United Center. That's at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. That will interrupt in our show about 5.40. 5.45, you get a pregame. David Locke, Ron Boone on the call tonight here on this very own station of 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, Eric? Uh, by the way, so the Jazz have the Bulls tonight. Then they're in Orlando on Saturday. 5 o'clock, I believe, is that game. Yes. Um, news today from the Magic. Their forward, Jonathan Isaac, has a severe sprain and bone contusion. Ooh, is he... Out? And he'll be reevaluated in two months. <laughs> Here's the thing. Jonathan Isaac is the only player in the NBA this season who's averaging at least two blocks and one and a half steals per game. So it's, uh, it's, <laughs> that's a defensive blow for uh, the Orlando Magic ahead of the game on Saturday with Utah Jazz. Yeah, especially if Rudy Gobert's a go. And by the way, Rudy Gobert's been playing with a little bit of, you can call it spit and vinegar, after the first fan returns of the NBA All-Star vote have been released. Everybody take a deep breath, sit down, and uh, listen very carefully about what we're about to say. Again, as Eric mentioned before the break, this is only the first fan return. There's still more to go. And by the way, there's a little kicker to it that, we're, that Eric's going to mention right after. But here's what the front court looks like so far. One through ten of the front court. Ready? 
LeBron James at 1, Anthony Davis 2, Kawhi Leonard at 3, Paul George 4, 5 is Cat Towns, 6 is Kristaps Porzingis, 7 is the Joker, 8, Carmelo Anthony, 9, Brandon Egram, 10, Dwight Howard. What am I missing in that group? I don't know. Maybe the best center? Maybe the two-time defensive player of the year? Someone named Gobert? Are we are we really doing this again? I, I, I'm kind of annoyed right now. I know it's a fan vote, but my gosh, fans. It, it happens every year, but there are, it, it's even more glaring how messed up this is when you look at the guards. Give us the guards. Okay. So, <laughs> in the West, Luka Doncic, number one. Sure. I don't have a problem with that. Yep. And he's number one by a pretty healthy margin. Uh, followed by James Harden and Damian Lillard. Understood. Great players should be considered. Number four, Steph Curry. Oh, yeah. The guy's been sitting out for two months. Yeah, sounds guy good who hasn't me. played a yep. minute of basketball yep. in over sounds two good. months. Sounds good to me. Number five is Russell Westbrook. Number six is D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> On a team that... Have they even won 10 games? On a team that's playing G League, guys, and D'Angelo Russell's on the top of that list. Donovan Mitchell's number seven. Oh, that's nice. Here's the other screwed up. Alex Caruso. Yes, the White Mamba. For the Lakers. The White Mamba is back. Alex Caruso is getting more votes. Let this sink in for a moment. He's getting more votes than Devin Booker. John Morant is number 10. The rookie in Memphis. Now, now let's let's break this down for just a minute. We've already kind of mentioned the the uh, the caveats to each of this. Uh, Stephen Curry's been out for like what two months now. Two months. This is like a, a Vince Carter thing of about ten years ago, fifteen years ago or so, uh, where he had been injured and hadn't really played at all that season, and he still was a starter. Do you and and see and I was it like three, four, no, maybe. And, and help me out here, Adam, our intern. I think Allen Iverson was like four years ago when he was playing for the Pistons, was voted as a, like, was, as by fans, voted as a starter at one point, playing for the Pistons. Allen Iverson, who had played like seven games going up to the All Star game, man, was being voted as a starter by the fans. It's a popularity contest. It's it's what it is. It's what it's always been. I mean, it, if it involves the fans, it's a popularity contest. Now, give us the kicker to all of this because there is a little promotion, if you want to call it that, with the voting, and uh, it's today. Is that right? So today, so you can vote every day. Fans can go log on and vote every day. But today, your vote counts twice. It's a double vote, and I believe there's two other days, maybe three other days um, this month. Where if you vote, it counts as a double vote. Uh, voting ends uh, midnight January twentieth, and it, they're going to do it like they've done it the last uh, last year, where they'll have team captains. So the number one vote getter gets to select who he wants to have on his team, regardless of East, West, whatever, guard, forward, um, and then from there, then the the coaches select the reserves. But it, it's not just the problems aren't just in the West. Aj, yeah. there's a problem. There's a big glaring error in the East as well. The front court looks like this. Of course, the freak Giannis uh, leads by a very healthy margin over Joel Embiid, who sits at number two. Pascal Siakam, it's the biggest margin. Yeah, biggest gap easily. between number one and number two. Pascal Siakam's at three. Jimmy Butler's at four. Jason Tatum five. Here's where things get a little bit. I don't know. Drunk. Six is Taco Fall. Seven is Bam Bam. Eight is Gordon Hayward. Nine, Andre, Mr. Ike, the elbow people in the back, Drummond. And ten is DeMontis Sabonis from Indiana Pacers. 
Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Give us our guards, though, really quickly, if you would. <laughs> okay, we'll, sk- we'll get back to Taco Fall in just a moment. Uh, Trey Young is number one for the guards. Now, um, followed by Kyrie Irving, who has also been hurt for quite a while. Uh, Kemba Walker is number three. Um, just a little bit behind Kyrie. That's actually very close, the votes between those two guys. Uh, Derek Rose is number four from Detroit. Uh, Zach Levine, who the Jazz will face tonight in Chicago. Ben Simmons is all the way down at number six. <laughs> That's surprising. Uh, Jalen Brown is number seven. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's at eight, dude. At eight. Uh, Bradley Beal at number nine. And then Spencer Dinwiddie at uh, Brooklyn is number ten. I mean, why don't we let uh, – who's that guy who went from the Nets to the Lakers, Adam? Um, no, from the Nets to the Lakers. Uh, from the Nets to the Lakers? Yeah, he played for the uh, – bald guy. Talks smack, sucks at basketball. Uh, has a headband on him. Who is that? Dudley, Jared Dudley. Oh, Dude, Jared Dudley. Like, why don't we just put him on the list? Why not? Okay, well, so, as we Let's said, start with this Taco is Fall. all about fans, and clearly there's a campaign that's going on some – Social media or websites out there. Taco Fall. Taco Tuesday. Everyone vote for He has two. only played in three games. And in those three games, he only averages 3.7 minutes per game. And 4.3 points per game <laughs> in those three games. <laughs> and he's getting more votes than many other guys that play a lot more minutes and mean a lot more to their teams. <laughs> but like we said, this is this the first returns. Um, it, it, it is just a, a fan vote, and it's a popularity contest. Unfortunately, part of the NBA is there are a lot of casual fans that really don't pay attention. They see a highlight. They see a guy that makes a great dunk. Oh, that guy's awesome. He's, he should be an all-star because of one play. He looked really good. Yeah, And they don't pay attention to everything else that goes on on the court. And so there's a lot of misinformed or casual or lazy fans that just, oh, yeah, I see him doing commercials, so he must be good. I like him. I'm going to vote for him as an all-star. <laughs> I like his shoes. Alex Caruso, he's yeah, a bench guy. What the fetch is the freaking Taco white mama doing three games. He's an all-star. He belongs on a church ball team, for crying out loud. I, I mean... I mean, I'm holding a Diet Dr. Pepper in my right hand, but I'm looking at this thing like I'm drunk. Like, what in the world is Cat Towns doing ahead of, well, anybody? What is Dwight Howard doing on the list? Why isn't JaVale McGee on the list then? Might as well put JaVale McGee on there. It's just sad that, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, and this is true to honesty, Donovan Mitchell may not make the All-Star team. He will. But not as a starter. Not as a starter. Because he's not there yet. I mean, there's... So many dynamic players in the West. Uh, I, I think he'll. I think that he'll. He will make the team. Um. But he'll have to beat out some pretty good players to yeah. get there. All right, we'll take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour. We get you ready for the second hour. It's all in the full court press. Eric France and Andre Salveson, one hundred six on FM, thirteen ninety AM. The fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The full court press has all the high school sports covered. The full court press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at one hundred six nine thefan dot com. Eric France and Andre Salveson on the full court press, 4.55 your time. We're getting ready to wrap up the uh, first hour, get ready for the second hour. All Utah State talk, Aggies fall in a runaway to the UNLV Rebels. Final score, 70-53. to We'll break it down for you 
and get you ready for the Aztecs. Just a little sneak peek as, and a little bit of an appetizer for tomorrow um, as we'll really dig into who the Aztecs are, why they're undefeated, and what to look out for. There is a lot on the list to be aware of. You also hear from Coach Craig Smith tomorrow afternoon here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Eric, you just gave us some ratings, and uh, the uh, Frisco Bull was not that loved. There's been a lot of bowl games played, right? And uh, Utah State played in one of the earlier ones, although it was actually on the opening day. And apparently not a lot of people in the bowl mood just yet. Uh, Utah State's bowl game in the bottom 10 as far as viewers. And that game was down 14% compared to a year ago with 1.25 million people tuning in. Was there any uh, word on the, the playoff games at all? Uh, the playoff games were very highly viewed. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, 21.15 million, up 11%. What? LSU and uh, Oklahoma, 17.21 million, up 2%. So, yeah, a lot of attention on the college football playoff semifinals. And rightfully so. We'll get to some of those New York Bowl games as well in the second hour. Aggies as well. And pick six coming up here on the second hour of the Full Court Press. Top. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Happy New Year, everyone. We have plenty of reason to be excited about 2020 in sports. You have the NFL playoff matchups. They should be great. Same with college football's title game. Then things slow down just a little bit, and then, boom, Final Four, Masters, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. The Tokyo Olympics kick off in July. That'll take you through the summer, and before you know it, We'll be back into football and the baseball playoffs. Man, it's amazing. We have time for anything else in our lives when you start to think about it. This is probably a good time to be grateful. What else do we have to fill out our calendars with? You may have weddings or graduations or big things like that, but that's just you. We all get to share in Super Bowl Sunday. Tiger chasing another green jacket. LeBron trying to take the Lakers to a title. So let's get started in 2020 in sports. I'm ready to go. And I get the feeling most sports fans are right there alongside of me. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.